Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. Man, I'm really excited for this episode because I interact with this guy all the time on multiple different channels, all over Instagram. He is the preparedness guy. He makes really cool videos. He goes by Nat. Nat, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about first your Instagram channel because um, you have done something that a lot of people aren't able to do, which is make preparedness kind of exciting, kind of fun. And you at the same time, you kind of mock people who don't do it. Like, you know, you do a lot of fun videos. So can you just talk about like maybe their motivations behind the preparedness guy and like what your channel is all about? Sure, sure. Um, I've been interested in preparedness most of my life. I've dived pretty deep into the um, prepper underworld. I've also done professional emergency management, trying to see all aspects of it. And um, I think what I'm doing on Instagram is something that anyone could actually do. Now, I have a friend um, that I knew when I was a teenager, and I lost touch with him you know, for the past um, however many years. And I saw his Instagram page, and he is um, he's like a farm scientist, an agronomist. Mm. And he was doing these, these reels and, and TikToks and stuff. And I thought, well, this is this is kind of crazy. And he was doing one every day or doing a, a few a few a week. And I thought, oh, that's kind of that's kind of cool. I could never think of things to post. And he was posting some that were informative, some that were just interesting. And that was kind of the inspiration. Like, actually, maybe I could do this. And I, I sent him some mess- messages. We talked, and he basically just says whatever he feels like doing he, he does and so I, I i tested it out a little bit and it it's it's fun to do and then i started doing one every day and i told myself as long as it's fun to do i'll keep doing them and mm. uh, it's it's an interactive platform so it allows me to uh, really engage with with people it's it's quick uh, mm. usually they're um, less than less than 30 seconds they could be up to a, a minute but rarely yeah. ever and then i can use the trending audios uh, or styles that people are using and then just apply a preparedness principle to it. Yeah. I I like it because I mean, not just using the trending like styles and audios, but it is also inherently making it a trendy thing. You're making preparedness trendy. Like we don't even use the word preparedness in our org. Like it's one of our two blacklisted words (laughs) because it has such a connotation of doomsday preppy that we want our stakeholders or the people that we work with to understand that, Hey, we use data and analytics. And like what I also find fascinating is that, you know, you are an emergency manager. You're working at a hospital on the East coast. Like you're a professional, you get it. You also noted that you dove into the, the the underworld of doomsday preppy. And I think you and I talked about this offline. Like a lot of the shows that portray doomsday those people aren't, aren't even really like that. It's it's more the the media, but we're still impacted by that in emergency management, right? So it, it, we're there's a perceived impact of it, and um, I I am kind of trying to bridge the gap. Uh, the preparedness community is the, the subculture is growing, and mm. it's becoming less abrasive or um, less less of an outlier, and yeah. it's becoming more mainstream in in the way that uh, people are recognizing that being prepared is a beneficial thing especially over the last two years when people yeah. can find toilet paper or gasoline or f- food at their local grocery store these are things that nobody ever thought they would deal with 
And they thought, well, if I had just had a little bit of that on hand, this mm -hmm. wouldn't have even been an issue. I would not even have to be at the grocery store right now because I can see that something is going on, go into response mode and just stay home. Yeah, I mean, there, there's... Um... I like how you noted that just a little bit more too. It's not like, again, the, the, the feelings of doomsday preppy is that people have these giant bunkers underground and they're like, if they live off a of grid, actually living off grid, is really fun when you go camping, but for like, you know, there's modern day conveniences and people like those. And, and I, I think like the, the disconnect that you are bridging is this idea that it's like, it's not one or the other. Most of the time you, you go grocery store, you get your toilet paper, whatever. But if you have a preparedness mindset, then you're preparing not to have to react. I think that's like right. really what you're trying to get to is like, hey, like yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be inconvenienced. Yeah, right. You're not doing an an, an impulse um, reactive thing. You are being proactive. So when when an incident occurs, you can respond appropriately. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I tell I tell people all the time. My my. One of your most beneficial preparedness tools, especially for communication, is your phone. Everyone uses it. Everyone has one. But it's 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 not something that you would give up because you might not have it at some point in the future. Like Good you point. live a normal life. And yeah. you know, there there are there are some people who are a little more extreme in uh, the prepper subculture. Yeah. And there are also some people that are a little extreme at your local golf club who are <laughs> like really, in, you know, so it's, yeah. it's not inherent to preparedness uh, that, that they're going to have the wackos because it's in every, every group. And in a way it becomes a hobby group and you have people mm -hmm. that are really into it as a, as a hobby. Uh, and I think that's why people love zombies. You know, the CDC did their, uh, their, if you're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're prepared for anything uh, mm -hmm. kind of piggybacking off the walking dead and all of the, the zombie craze of the time trying mm -hmm. to encourage prepping and or preparedness in general. And people like zombies because zombies are not real. You can <laughs> make up, you, you know, you can, it's a, it's a, it's a doomsday yes, fantasy, correct. right? <laughs> like I, it's fun to think about like, Oh, what would I do if there was a zombie apocalypse? And uh, it's not, real it's like dungeons and dragons for for preparedness or you know we're, we're larping um, yeah. and that's and that's where it, where it does get into the impractical where you you focus on a specific scenario whether it's mm. zombies or, or something else and you're focusing on an end of of civilization and if people want to think about that in, even though you know it may or may not ever happen that's fine as long as it's not actually impacting other people. If people choose to make that their hobby, more power to them. Um, yeah. In a, lot, in a lot of ways, it could benefit them in more likely disasters, but that's where I'm trying to come in. Like you said, you use readiness and you use data and analytics. In emergency management, we have, we have systems and processes and tools that are in place that help us mm. avoid the things that people don't like or the things they perceive as the, the wrong way to prepare. And mm. they, they say, oh, they're preparing for, you know, like the, the um, increasing natural disasters or they're preparing for pandemics or they're preparing for war. But over here, we're preparing for climate change and mm. <laughs> you are know, responding to COVID-19 and oh, mm. there are international conflicts right now. So it's the same things. It's just we think that we have a better reason to prepare. But we don't just look at the scenario and say, hey, we're going to do this. Um, so I'm bridging the gap by trying to bring the emergency management tools to everybody, allow people to, um, to be their own emergency manager. 
Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. This show is owned and operated by professional emergency managers at Doberman Emergency Management. We apply Disaster Tough logic by protecting life, property, and business continuity through planning, mitigation, and training. Check us out at DobermanEMG.com or click on the show notes. Radio comms just got a major breakthrough with the L3 Harris XL Extreme 400P. It's the newest and toughest radio out there. Built by their space and tactical teams, the XL Extreme series can take a beating. 1,700 degree blast of heat, repeated 3 meter drops, rain, salt water, you name it. The XL Extreme series by L3 Harris can take it. Visit L3Harris.com to schedule your demo today. The battle to monitor and contain COVID-19 just got exponentially better for us. We are officially introducing an electronic reusable, yes, reusable COVID-19 test through our sponsors. It's called the COVID Plus Test, created by Tiger Tech, distributed by FS Global. This is the first FDA-authorized, rapid, non-invasive pre-screener. It's extremely easy to use. Forget those one-time use swabs. This is a disaster-tough technology. For more information on the COVID Plus test, check out our show notes. Okay, let's jump back in. Yeah, this is where like, um, like that uh, that discussion starts to separate a little bit because, uh, you know, you work in a hospital. You work with a lot of people who understand everyday disasters happen to people. I mean, they're they're literally at a hospital for a reason, right? At the same time, um, we have to understand scarcity of resources. And so like the high impact, high frequency events are probably much more closely related to like a short term power outage, a water main break, um, you know, inconveniences to people. But when it's organizations, I mean, you're talking about, you know, possibly millions and millions of dollars of irreplaceable research through negative, you know, 80 freezers or whatnot. And I think there is a, I think there is a cross section, but when I think of preparedness or I think what the general, when I, when I, every time I've talked about preparedness is why it's blacklisted is because they're like, Oh, you're talking about infrequent, infrequent, like high impact or high yield events. Right. And I'm like, well, those events still happen. Like I had to like, it's, I get to this like point where I'm trying to convince them. I'm like, look, the earthquake doesn't happen every day, but when it happens, you are already a prepper because you have insurance. Like you right. bought the insurance. Yes. And you know, every every person who has a has a car, if they're by, abiding by the law, has car insurance. Like they don't want a car to get an accident. They don't think it's I haven't been in a car accident, knock on wood, in like 10 years. But if it happens, I'm glad I got the insurance to do that. And so I think there's a terminology thing, but I also do think like, hey, preppers, sometimes like you know, like they they do talk about the world ending, and it's just like again terminology. It's the way they phrase it. Yeah, it is hurting so, their own argument. I think honestly. It, it's true. It's it's. I guess a couple points. Uh, even even putting gas in your car's tank is preparing, because That's you're right. you're not you're not relying on AAA or roadside assistance. You you think you know I'm going to be responsible for making sure there's fuel in my car, and. Yeah. If, if we look at that same, same parallel, um, if, if your plan is always just to call 911 mm. and then everybody has the same problem, it, it's limited. Um, but to the other point, um, 
not really helping helping their cause and or you know all of our cause i think a lot of the the discussion around preparedness is in the in the prepper subculture is a long-term cataclysmic event shtf the stuff hits the fan yeah um, you know lots of acronyms for the same thing thing and yeah. um so there is a focus but i think why that's true is because um because that's what scares people now yeah. i'm not saying that that uh, preppers are more fearful than other people they, because they are um you know maybe they have a legitimate concern if they're worried about zombies then maybe not but um but but we look yeah. at the the world as it is and there are some things that that our systems are not equipped to handle. Oh yeah, I totally agree. If and yeah, we we've we've seen it even in this last two years, mm-hmm. the disruption of everyday day life. So it's the end of the world as we know it, which means the new normal. But it it's not it's not a post apocalyptic scenario. It, it disrupts everyday life. You just made me jump from like song to song to song in like a ten second <laughs> thing. Um, but also you're right. It is the end of the world as we know it. Because that's the definition of a new normal. So, I mean, it, it actually, let me pull back the conversation a little bit. I can see your logo for the preparedness guy above you in the video. If anybody's watching the video. And you briefly started to tell me about it and said, oh, stop, 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 stop. I want to hear about this in, in, in the podcast. But what you're talking about, you just talked about filling up your gas just because for the sake of filling up your gas or do, doing things fun. Can you talk to us about the that logo because i actually think it frames what you're trying to do really well and maybe can help out somebody else in the field so the um ultimate um principle behind preparedness is is um your responsibility what what your responsibility is an individual responsibility so this is an oil lamp and uh, in ancient times they had little clay lamps and um would put oil in them so there's a, a parable in the the new testament of the bible um it's called the parable of the 10 virgins or parable of the 10 handmaidens. Mm. And there are 10 women who are, uh, they're invited to be bridesmaids at a wedding feast and they're excited. They all bring their lamp. It's part of the procession. They would light their lamp and go to the, um, go to the house where the, the party's taking place. Mm. And five of them brought extra oil just in case five of them did not. And the, the groom, he came way later than expected he came at, at midnight which was unusual you know usually it's they're partying it's hard yeah like... right so he shows up and it's midnight and they're they're waking up somebody somebody comes calling ahead hey the, the groom is coming and they all they all wake up and they're oh our lamps have burned out so five of them said i'm going to put in my extra oil because i wanted to go to this this party I wanted to make sure I was ready for it, so I brought some extra oil just in case. Five of them said, "Oh, we don't have any oil," and the, the they're like, "Share with us." And they say, "Well, if I share with you, then neither of us will have enough, and we're we're all out of luck. So go try to buy some. Everything's closed, obviously, at midnight, mm-hmm. uh, so there was no luck. By the time they got to the the house, they weren't allowed in. The the, the tradition, the um, having a lamp lit, all of that. Um, you know, obviously, it's a a, a religious religious story. So there's religious symbolism there, but um, for practical use, we learn that preparedness isn't for the things that we're afraid of, it's for the things we want to do. If we want to be able to live as normal life as possible, or if we want to uh, provide for our basic needs, even if there's a disruption, something that's unexpected, 
then we do something ahead of time. We just think, I want to do that. I want to eat, so I buy food. I want to drive my car, so I put gas in it. And um, yeah, my previous logo was something I made on a clip art website for free. It was yeah. like a, a stick figure holding the globe, and um, there's some like a tornado and an asteroid above it uh, or something. So it was like when a sharknado. A sharknado, yeah. So yeah. that's named. And uh, the the idea was when you're you're suffering a um, in a disaster you have the weight of the world on your shoulders but if you're prepared then then you can handle it and i like mm -hmm. the atlas uh symbolism from from greek mythology and i really i was thinking about prometheus who's who's another titan the um and he he was the one who stole fire from the gods and brought it to mankind and that represents yeah. enlightenment and knowledge and technology and you are basically forward. prometheus in this scenario you realize oh, that right well, Prometheus gets gets punished. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to sound arrogant, right? But I, I I like the idea of being able to share the light of of keeping that having that fire and share it with others. And and um, I'm trying to do that, but I also encourage everyone else to do that. You can't share the oil. The oil represents things that that you learn or do. Now, I'm not saying you can't share your food. A lot of every a lot of people do that, and that's the primary reason for most people who prepare is that they can take take care of themselves, their families, their, their friends, neighbors, right. etc. Um, it's it's not all just uh, selfish and antisocial. So it's not that you can't share the things you prepare. It's just that there is is something that has to take place that mm. can't be shared, and that's the oil, the things that you learn, the mindset you have, the actions you take that make you more self reliant. You can't just give that to somebody else and, and giving something to somebody doesn't necessarily make them more prepared. Doing something for someone else doesn't make them more prepared. But if they have oil, then you can share the fire. You can share the light. You can be a Yeah, they. I like the idea that um, like there's self-reliancy or there's self-resiliency that's uh, built into what you're talking about, because. Um, you know, the disaster class guys asked me on their podcast back in January. Um, what I felt about um, people who are stuck on the I-95 um, roadway. And uh, I shared a kind of a, a mixed message of, and I would tell people to check out that full episode because they had some, had some really good questions. But basically I said, ultimately the responsibility is on the individual to take care of themselves. However, as emergency managers and first responders, we can be compassionate to say, hey, there, there might have been outlying factors here. Um, the, the blue collar job who, you know, no matter what, they didn't get time off. And so if they didn't uh, go to work, they didn't get paid and they didn't have rent. And so they, they risk it and, and their level of risk goes higher. And um, I, I think we can be compassionate, but also say, hey, if you are willing to do a couple things, then I can share this with you. I can, I can help you out. And I, I think that's a, a really good message. Also, how deep is that uh, parable when it's about oil, which is a scarce resource, and it's about fire, which is obviously a, a thing about preparedness? So, um, you know, and you, the the religious parable, obviously about um, about Jesus Christ and and preparing for him too. And so, I, I think there's multiple layers within uh, your logo, and I think it's a, a, a pretty clever approach to say, hey, it's not always about the end of the world. Like, I literally just want to go to the party. And I got to have the right things in place to be able to go to the party. So right, yeah, it's 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 reverse of what the CDC did for their public service announcement, which I thought was was witty. I remember seeing that however yeah. many years ago, um, 2014. And, 
I'm going to guess. 2014, right? That was, yeah. that was a while ago. Yeah, I think it was 2014, yeah. Yeah, so, so they say if you're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're prepared for anything. I think it's the opposite. I think if you prepare at the foundational level for to meet your basic needs, then it doesn't matter what disrupts you. If you Ooh, are like looking that. at your needs, if you're focusing on, on the things you want to have or need to have, then the disruption doesn't matter nearly as much. There are still some specific actions you need to take, life-saving actions, um, run, hide, fight, drop, cover, hold on, uh, duck and cover, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, so, so that your response is, is often hazard based, but your preparedness should be needs based. Ooh, I like that. So let's, let's, I want to switch the conversation here a little bit because we're, we're talking a lot of these, um, these points of why preparedness, that the terminology, the perception of preparedness, you just spoke at a symposium in Virginia about this and as part of that i participated by the way is uh you asked four questions on linkedin or i think it was four questions three or four questions three questions yep three questions and um you were trying to understand the emergency manager's perspective of different levels and and approaches of preparedness can you dive into like both your symposium and those questions i would love to so i actually asked the questions on three different in three different places i asked on instagram Mm. which is um, the preparedness guy. So people are following because they're interested in preparedness or they think I'm good looking or they're my mom. <laughs> and um, hopefully your mom and, thinks you're good looking. That'd be really sad if she was like, my son well, is so yeah. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. mm. um, yeah. So I asked on, on Instagram stories and used the poll. I asked on LinkedIn on um, three different posts. And then I asked during the symposium and got feedback live uh, through Slido. Um, so Slido. on Instagram, it's it's mm-hmm. people who are generally interested in, in preparedness who aren't necessarily, it was actually a, um, a very small number because I also asked on Instagram if they were in emergency management, if they're emergency responders, mm-hmm. first responders, if they're just interested in preparedness or if they just were there for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And um the, the the large majority of people were just interested in preparedness. There were there were maybe one or two who responded that were emergency managers. A few that were law enforcement or former military or uh, mm-hmm. EMS. I just kind of lumped in um, first and emergency responders. Versus uh, LinkedIn, most people there are emergency managers or uh, first responders, and then I have an assortment of other other connections on there. Mm-hmm. Um, who also responded, and I could I could see who responded. So, uh, most people who responded were emergency managers um, or first responders or emergency responders. Uh, and then at the symposium, it was exclusively emergency managers. And the first question I asked was, "What is your general impression of preppers?" And I um, prefaced on most of them, said kind of whatever your your gut reaction is when you hear the word prepper. That's kind of what I want you to to. Yeah. Uh, to understand and um you know it could it could be like the survivalist or doomsday preppers or um a more casual type of uh preppers or homesteaders or bushcrafters or however you you perceive it i, I was just using an all-inclusive term and on instagram these are already people who are interested in preparedness yeah um 68 said positive so the ma- <laughs> large majority knew? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is understandable. Um, 24% said somewhat positive, and mm. 7% said somewhat negative, and then 1% said negative. And that's on Instagram. On LinkedIn, 
so uh, these sample sizes were different. And then on LinkedIn, it wasn't always the same people responding to each question because they were three separate posts. Fair enough. Um, LinkedIn, um, only three, 33%, 33% said positive um, versus the 68% of, on Instagram. 52% um, though said somewhat positive. So they took the majority for somewhat positive. Mm. Um, and then 15% said somewhat negative and nobody said their general impression of preppers was negative on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think I, I think I put somewhat positive. I can tell you tell you why. I mean, if you're interested, but yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. No, I, let's get through the three questions. This is actually really interesting. Um, well, there there is there's a lot of connotation that comes with the word, and 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 that I yeah. that's why I said prepper. I didn't I didn't say like people who prepare or well, whatever. It's, I, it's it's really the conflict of. I want every single person to be prepared, especially I understand the ultimate responsibilities themselves, but some people go so far over the top that it's actually detrimental when they like stop listening to news and stop doing this. And so it's like, like I want it to be positive, but sometimes I feel like they're hurting themselves. So that's, that's just well, really that's, uh, yeah. the next question will be about, about that too. So, um, well, the, so the third, the symposium, um, was, pretty similar in response to uh, LinkedIn, where positive had a, a 27%, somewhat positive was was the most, um, somewhat negative actually increased on this one to 20%, and then 7% said negative. So there was a, a negative response at the symposium. First responders don't like preppers. That's that's kind of what I've I've seen. Like yeah, they, don't want, they don't want people to do it. They're like, yeah, they want people funny. to listen and do whatever they want them to do. And so preppers are a little more independent typically and so yeah. and and it's uh, it's also interesting that that the number of, of people who are emergency managers or first responders who are prepared is is actually pretty low you yeah. know so uh, you would think like oh yeah yeah we'll get to that i don't know quick. i don't know maybe like, yeah <laughs> um yeah so i mean the whole the whole message of at uh, the symposium the 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 title of it was so are you one of those doomsday preppers you know is, mm. is two emergency managers because that we get that question all the time like yeah uh, oh my gosh that. Can't tell you how many times i've heard that yeah right and and because of the negative connotation we're like oh no we always want to qualify it and uh, that's why we don't use it we say readiness <laughs> right and yeah. so i'm i in there i i in the the symposium presentation i I addressed the the bias and used some some examples of of you know how we use labels that uh, alienate people. So mm -hmm. preppers don't feel a lot of love from emergency managers or for <laughs> emergency managers. They don't want to end up in a FEMA camp. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, but you know, they like you said, they want to be independent and um, and be able to uh, take care of themselves. Uh, yeah. So let's let's go to the second question. In an emergency or disaster, preppers are, and then the four options are a liability, a net negative, a net positive, or an asset. Mm. And I, 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 <laughs> I love the way I framed this question. <laughs> um, yeah, to sound arrogant again. No, I, I wanted to use the words liability or an asset. A liability means detrimental. An asset mm -hmm. means beneficial, like, uh, yeah, like active, actively yeah. helping, right? Yeah. Um, and then a net negative is, is basically like a, a draw on society. A net positive would be that it benefits society, even though they're not actively doing something for, for the community necessarily. That would be an asset. 
um, how some people see like a cert team, if a cert team deploy, or oh, cert, so about cert teams. Yeah. Yeah. If they deploy and they are integrated in the incident command structure, then they're an asset, right? They're, they're augmenting your response. That's right. Um, and then, in, so in my mind, that's how I perceived it. And a net positive would be if that cert member is at home taking care of their loved ones or their neighbors, or not just a cert member, it could be anybody who's, who's prepared in those, in those skills. Mm. That would be a net positive because they no longer have to call 911 and, and be a drain on, on the resources. Yeah. And that yeah. negative would be that they are a drain on the resources and a liability would be that they are hindering, actively hindering operations. Yeah. So on Instagram, this is, this, this one was fun. Um, <laughs> um, one Wait, percent can I, of. Can I guess? Oh, uh, can I guess the numbers? Am I allowed to guess the numbers? Do it. Yeah. Okay. So Instagram, I'm going to say for asset, we're going to start with a positive. So asset, I'm going to say something like seventy-two percent. So it was an asset. Eighty percent. Um. Then, so you have asset. Then you have net. What? A net positive. Net positive. So that's probably you're going to be your net next biggest one. You kind of already gave it away. So if that was 80, 19 percent, six, and then six people, and then three percent said uh, liability, huh? Um. So, so net positive was sixteen. Net negative was two, and then oh, liability one. And then there are fractions of percentages that are disappeared yeah. to, to account for that other one. Interesting. Um, yeah. No. No so, joke. People who. <laughs> So if we were doing this as actual research, then we would have to take into account uh, people's perspectives on it. And um, I actually like when, that you ask different groups because like it it's like shows what they think they are. Right. And so when based on their perception and I didn't necessarily get their perception, when somebody says in an emergency or disaster and I ask an individual mm. who's into preparedness is a prepper who then they might consider themselves a prepper is a prepper an asset in an emergency? They're looking at it from an individual individual perspective. And they say, absolutely. Mm. Um, absolutely, I'm an asset, or my friend who's a prepper is an asset uh, yeah. because I'm, I'm actively helping my family and my community. So they're not necessarily looking at the, at the community perspective. They're, uh, they're more looking at their, uh, their individual perspective, which makes sense. So yeah. that, so that that accounts probably for most of, of why it was an asset. And if I had described more, um, saying from a community perspective, um, or from a community or or um, local government response perspective, mm. are are preppers an asset? And I think the uh, answer yeah, might have might have changed things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was LinkedIn? Yeah. Uh, so LinkedIn, eighteen um, percent said a liability. <laughs> That was that was a big number right there. So that one um, did surprise yeah. me a little bit. So eighteen percent said liability, seven percent said a net negative, forty six percent said a net positive, and then thirty percent. This one also surprised me. Thirty percent said an asset. Thirty percent. So from basically people who do it every day, they think, "Hey, um, I, I'm I'm hot stuff." Eighty percent, but mostly emergency managers are saying, "Well." Maybe a third of the time they are, but most of the time it's it's uh, okay. That's it. And it's interesting to look at it like that. And then what's what's the mixed bag of the at the symposium of the first so response? The, so the, the symposium is it was the mixed bag LinkedIn, and then symposium is exclusively emergency managers. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, and, and most of them have fire background or or law enforcement. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. 
um, but they're in an emergency capacity, emergency management capacity. Right. Um, Six percent said liability. Nobody said net negative, and sixty-three percent said a net positive. So that was the overwhelming. Oh, nobody said it was an asset. Well, thirty-one percent said an asset. So that was okay. That was about the same as LinkedIn. Um, So it was that was still a a big number. Um, That was kind of unexpected there. Um, The thing that might have skewed these answers at the symposium was that the title, like I said, of the presentation was so are you one of those doomsday preppers and if somebody's yeah, like hey i i like preppers or i'm interested in that they're more likely to come to the presentation so i i yeah. don't think i um gave it a title that would invite uh people who are necessarily anti-prepper in general yeah but i mean linkedin i mean linkedin is a, a, a probably a fairly good sampling mm-hmm. right. yeah, yeah and on this one i i think i if i'm trying to recall um I definitely didn't say asset. Um, I might have put in net negative, and it's it. I know. I'll tell you why. Um, it's Mount St. Helens. Mm-hmm. Um, before my time, obviously, um, the guy's not believing to get off the mountain. But I use that example because I try not to use the the ones that I was the events I was actually in. Mm-hmm. And I, at every single disaster I've been in, somebody knows more than me. And every single time, 100% of the time, they've been wrong. And some of those people are dead now. Yeah. And so I'm like, mm, I, like, I understand that you think you're, but this is, that's not so much of a, a prepper thing for sure. But when somebody says to me, like, I'm prepared for anything, I'm like, that is a cat five hurricane coming at you. You're not prepared for that. Nobody is prepared for that. So you bring up an interesting point because you are associating um, resistance to uh, authority in in an emergency environment with preppers, right? They might think think they're prepared for anything. Um, We saw it in 2014. Everybody's like that. Obviously, there's a lot of people. There is a a mental association there. And yeah, um, sure. with, there's a lot, or there are a lot of things that are like that. There are a lot of things that have a mental um, connotation or, or association when we yeah. hear prepper or when we see something that, that is. Isn't that funny? The, the or, socioeconomic, or not even the socioeconomic, the, um, like the, the, like the cultural norms of what you think is, is it like the idea of preparation and you want people to be prepared a hundred percent, but you also want people to do it the way you think is right. <laughs> right. And, Unfortunately for them, I am always right. No, I'm just kidding. That's kind of arrogant. You remember the toilet paper shortage. Yes. I remember hearing on the news criticism of preppers. Mm. And it, that, that was something because, it's, it, because people associate preppers with hoarding and hoarding with panic buying. And, and yet the preppers are not the ones doing the right. They're the ones at home with toilet paper already. They don't need to go to the store. Right. So I will say there was a, there was a couple of people like a news stories where people were buying it and selling it extreme prices just to hose people. Yep. I mean, that happened yep. all over the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so the, I have seen, I have seen, um, <laughs> I have seen ec- economic arguments for uh, increased prices in shortages. And uh, I understand to some extent, but like the guy who I saw one guy who went across his entire, like half of his state stopped yep. at every Kentucky. little store and picked up, uh, picked up hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. That's what, that's and, what I was saying about too. 
That's and it's not... like that is that's already at the point of sale. That's at the consumer level already. You are removing it from the consumer's accessibility, and then re-off reintroducing it at a higher yeah. price. And yeah. and it's like that's that's not even yeah. Like it's pretty. There's no ethics to that. There's plan. like that. That's that's lame. It's dirty. It's bad business. It's <laughs> you're, you're working really really hard to interfere with people's ability to to uh, get that that good that's already available to them yeah i i that's the that's the thing like um i, I said that's not capitalism i'm sure somebody's like well that's absolutely capitalism i'm like no because you're required to have supply and demand and the market to, to tell you the price when you have a single person who's setting that price at an astronomical number 200 dollars a bottle i think he was selling it at like nobody wanted to pay that and there's a reason why you got arrested right like so and, and you're talking about word association lately people have been associating capitalism which is like the literally the best thing that's happened in, uh, on earth in terms of economics um, people are associating that with like greed and they associate like business with like bad people and it's like but so you this is a, okay, right <laughs> right right like yeah i mean money just represents the value of our service or product and right. um this is this association is also true with um with preparedness right so yeah, um it's, it's we, an interesting we, correlation for sure yeah we we look at the the negative part and, and you talked about greed like um you know capitalism associated with greed and mm. it's like well to to an extent that's true you have to have your self-interest in mind to produce the best thing that you can to sell it to somebody who's going to give you as much money as you can get from it and um in preparedness self-interest is the the number one thing as well because your own like you you are responsible for yourself and that's that's the ultimate thing we have a very robust amazing system across the u.s of emergency managers emergency responders 911 people can reasonably assume that when they pick up the phone and call 911 almost all the time they're going to get somebody to answer and um, and then they'll get some help right so we do for other people what they cannot do for themselves. So if somebody yeah. can't put out the, their house fire, if somebody can't treat the severe wounds in a car accident and they can't pull themselves out of the car, that's that's what our, our whole system is, is for. But we also need to empower people to do for themselves what even we can't do for them. Or what we shouldn't do for them. Right. Um, I, I Yeah, this is like where that great, there's really no great line here. It's like, um, it, there is a black and white and people who can't help themselves with whether it's unintentional or intentional. Sometimes that it, there's a, there's a problem there. Um, we should help them out. We have a responsibility to help out other people because we are humans and Absolutely. you know, human race, the whole deal. Um, I I'm a Christian. So like child of God, like you should help out other people for the sake of doing it at the same time. So I'm an empowering. I think there is a, a moment where you can say, Hey, you can't open your own car door, right? Or, hey, you know, you were supposed to contribute into this too. Like now, I'm sacrificing more, right? Because you chose not to do something, and you actually can overcome it. And and I think there's an expectation now, probably because of federal policy from the '70s that's still impacting us. But there's an expectation that I shouldn't prepare because somebody else is going to come and save me, and 
now you're now we're in another situation so we yeah could, that, I mean, we can talk about this all day but yeah you know, i'd love to <laughs> that's that's a really interesting <laughs> that's point your because, yeah, that's your whole life, yeah, yeah. Uh, because we look at um we look at the people who it, you could say i'm not going to do something and it's going to be a negative impact on other people being prepared means that you are not a negative impact on other people there still right. might be an accident or something outside right. of their control if you do it if you do it right and and um but it's still that we don't we don't look at people who are unprepared the same way we look at people who are prepared we look at people who are prepared with more of a, a negative bias than we look at people who are unprepared because we think oh well they need us it's like well why are we mad at people who don't need us? i'm super curious about the data um and you may know this you may not but like in a disaster how many people who did preparedness actually don't need help? Like we can we can measure for insurance policies, but I don't know how we would like literally. You no, know, that's a really good question. Now, as an organization, we can kind of you can kind of measure it for your own organization or jurisdiction um, that that we've provided this training and it benefited our responders or um, our your frontline staff, whoever, mm. and they could respond if if you. Um, have a floor warden program at your company and they mm. effectively evacuated everybody within 60 seconds. You know, it, you know, you have, um, yeah. you have you the metrics measurable. Yeah. But we can take the, the principle. We'll never know. Well, we don't, we'll always know because after, after this, uh, this presentation, I gave the symposium, um, a gentleman walked up to me and told me about his, his, uh, experience on a cert team training mm. the, the community, to uh, to do hands only CPR, and a week later, one of the participants came up to him and said that they used it to save someone's life. Interesting. That's so awesome. Sometimes, sometimes you do know, but you can't. Like if you yeah. if you trained your entire population in in first aid or how to use a fire extinguisher, there's no reporting system for that. There's no way to quantify if it was effective or not. So we can find out what is effective for us. Take those same principles and apply it to our our outreach for uh, for populations. You know, I, I like to play, you know, don't no one play play on the uh, Bible theme too much, but I've been playing devil's advocate here a little bit. And the funny thing is, is like I've taught multiple cert uh, teams uh, in, in several states. I've been on a couple cert teams. I think it's a great way to involve people with uh, I, I'm saying this in all due respect, who are amateurs, who are not professionals, mostly and want to do want to be better prepared, want to be able to help. And I, the best programs I've seen and where I've taught at is when the cert teams are integrated with usually fire, but sometimes police, and they use them. Um, I've they they actually have used it uh, in here in St. Louis for search and rescue. They use it for events. They use it for helping people who are identified uh, in parades who might be dehydrated and passing out mm -hmm. water. Like there's lots of different things, and I, I agree. Like the how do you quanti quantify that? Uh, man, there's a there's probably a whole group of, if somebody actually knows this is for the audience, if somebody knows how to quantify that or know of a study, I would love to research that. So send us a message um, and, and let us look at that. Cause that'd be awesome. Absolutely. I'm going to, we're getting close out of time here, but I know you asked one more question, right? Yeah. I really want to know what that question is. And I think uh, our audience would too, because this has been really fascinating. So what was your last question? So this one was, was kind of for fun, but also just to get a gauge of, of where people stood on this. Yeah. Um, the question was, can you meet your basic needs for two weeks? Oh, and, I, I remember this. Yeah. And then the, the, how there were so many questions I wanted to ask, but um, mm. uh, I limited it to, to three. And um, on Instagram, 
Oh yeah, let me let me tell you the the options first. So uh, longer, or that sounds about right. Maybe a few days, or I'll just have food delivered if I'm hungry. Uh, and then at the symposium, <laughs> I'll, that, yeah. I'll just put have food delivered if I'm hungry. Duh. Um, yeah. To represent the, uh, the the ignorance there. Uh, yeah. Uh, on Instagram, fifty five percent, so a little over half, said longer. Mm-hmm. Um, Thirty one percent said that sounds about right. Thirteen percent said maybe a few days, and one percent said I'll just have food delivered if I'm hungry. And I don't know if, if people are joking and um, yeah, we can't but tell people being honest. True for some people, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people do uh, rely on delivery, or they eat out pretty frequently, or yeah. um, just do fresh foods they don't cook uh, they don't see it as a as a need mm-hmm. um on linkedin okay so that yeah yeah 40 40 uh said longer than two weeks 44 said that's about right 12 percent mm-hmm. said maybe a few days and five percent said i'll just have food delivered mm-hmm. uh, and then at uh, the symposium 39 percent, so about the same as uh, linkedin said longer 33% said that sounds about right. 22% said maybe a few days. And then 6% said, um, I'll just have food delivered. So at the symposium, it, it shifted from that sounds about right and took some of those and put them to maybe a few days. So there are more people uh, yeah. who are less prepared there. I think there's also a, maybe a level of awareness. Again, going to so many disasters like... Um... First of all, a uh, side note, Craig Fugate uh, talked about how he always knew where the Latter-day Saints were. Uh, that's the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints were because he could hear all the cans popping in their <laughs> homes and hurricanes because they had so many cans. And then like the bacteria would get in the cans and kind of pop. And so he'd go down the street and talk about like that. I was like, oh, I bet that person's LDS. That person's LDS. He in the damaged about, homes? Yeah, in the damaged yeah. homes. Um, and, and that, that was, uh, really fascinating to hear him. Uh, this was at a Georgetown, uh, uh, what meeting that I was at when I was in my master's program and talking about faith-based groups and how they're involved and community response. And, um, but at the same time, like, um, you know, there's different religions, different cultures, different, you know, approaches to how people prepare just in general. Um, I was easy. I mean, it was easy for me to check the box for longer. Um, because not only my religion, but like just like being in so many disasters, like I didn't want to experience COVID like other people experience COVID. Like, um, but I also think that some people don't realize how much they have. Like yeah. Americans have so much, and they're like, I have nothing to eat. Pantry's completely full. You know, <laughs> I, I, those are just ingredients. That's not food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are just all these ingredients. I hear I can't make any food because there's no steak. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, it's interesting, like how like the field breaks it out. I would love to be able to expand that study into, um, you know, if you can keep doing it and maybe get like thousands of responses. Um, that, I think that'd be fascinating to share that with other people and what those uh, what those mean. Uh, so I want to I want to touch on a couple things. Um, you, we we've said it in different words, but the the two the two reasons I think that there's a, a conflict or perceived conflict uh, between what we do and what we see preppers do or understand um, understand them to be doing is um, we don't like why they're doing 
mm. what they're doing or we don't like how they're doing it. So we don't think they're doing it for the right. So zombies would be an obvious one, but uh, we think, oh, they're focusing on an end of the world situation or a, a doomsday yeah. scenario. And that's a why I don't like, or um, how they're doing it. I don't like their bunker. I don't like their stockpile of freeze dried food. I don't like mm. this, this is whatever. And um, my, well, one, I mean, first of all, it's not really our, our business, you know, as long as, long as it's not, like, not, you know, so it's, it's, we may yeah, not like exactly. it, but, but people, people do things that other people don't like all the time. But the thing is, is that if, if somebody goes down the rabbit hole on, in a, in a, a prepper community that may not be benefiting them, even um, mm -hmm. we're, we're worried that they're not benefiting society. And in most cases, I don't think that's true. I think, um, I think preppers, I believe they're a, a net positive um not but, an asset <laughs> uh to oh, hold, hold no, the phone here i, I don't yeah so uh, yeah. i think i think the the ideal when we look at it as emergency managers is that we get these uh a bunch of cert members and that they will uh, be part of our overall response that we can kind of have our hands in there and that's not empowering people that's that's making us better equipped to mm. serve the community which isn't isn't a bad thing but if we really want to have a culture of preparedness it's got to be bottom up not top down yeah. we can provide resources training tools but it has to be to meet individual needs and circumstances and and has to be able to be adaptable to uh, disparities in those individual needs and circumstances mm -hmm. too um but the so so we may not like why or how they're doing it but if we can share the tools we have if we can and we all do our um you know, Thyra, Hyra, HVA, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, we do all of these things that help us understand the risk that we face, the threats, the hazards that are out there, what our risk is to it, um, how vulnerable we are. And, and we kind of have the data and we can break things down. It's like a tornado is not a disaster unless it hits your house or it, yeah. it hurts people. You know, like if it's like going down a meadow and, and uh, it's a hazard, but it's not a disaster unless there's an impact. And the way things impact individuals is by impacting their basic needs. And that's food, water, shelter, clothing, et cetera, like it can, it, transportation, so on, so on. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, your needs can, it can be a long list, but they're, uh, they're pretty well established and you could break it down even further. But if you help people understand their needs and then how vulnerable those needs are to the hazards that are most likely in their area, and we can share these, these tools with people, we can go to Instagram and make videos. We can, um, do all sorts of outreach, not just handing out pamphlets to people. We can do better. Then, then the why and the how, we're we're educating and empowering people. A lot of people are acting in fear. We do the same thing as emergency managers. We prepare for the last disaster because that's the thing that's that's scariest to us. It's the thing that's most pressing in. Um, you know, public is pushing for it. Uh, the political leaders are pushing for it. And if we're always preparing for the last disaster, then we're just we're just uh, acting in fear as well. So our job as emergency managers is to bring it back in line. We already have a plan for this. We already understand our risks. This was was not uh, completely unexpected, or it may have been un unexpected, but we can adapt because we've already got an all hazards plan. Our approach can manage this. It's going to be hard, but we can do it. And then response is obviously different than than preparedness. Um, but we can help people to do the same thing. We're going to empower them to focus on their needs. So the hazards 
doesn't matter so much why they're preparing because they they built a foundation and using the, the same tools that we use uh, to prepare our organizations and then how they're doing it. If they're doing it to meet their needs and they want a year's worth of uh, food, more power to them, right? They're not taking it from other people. They're using their resources and, and getting it. If it's in response phase, if the incident is already happening, happening and you run to the store and try to grab stuff, you're not preparing, you're responding poorly. It's too late at that point to, to go and say, I'm getting prepared because you're not. Prepare, preparedness is what you have to do before. Uh, I'm sure this episode is going to be uh, highly popular and we definitely need to get you back <laughs> on because, I mean, you're talking a lot of things that are checking a lot of the boxes and you're talking about fears and you're talking about terminologies and it's fun to debate you on this because we, we want the same outcomes and we both recognize that words matter. And, you know, I had to think about it from a company standpoint or from a business standpoint of like, okay, what words will elicit positive reaction? But what you're doing is, um, you know, you talked about the why and the how. I like the why and the how of the preparedness guy. I like what you're doing on Instagram. This is why I interact with you on there, because I think what you're doing is clever. I think you're you're helping people. You know, you're raising awareness. You're you're being the um, you're kind of adding a drop of oil to other people a little bit, and uh, so they can light their own fire, and uh, kind of spinning that one on its head. But you know, you're, you're, you're doing really good things and the how you're doing it, again, using training topics, updating the conversation, asking good questions and polls, providing information and symposiums, and really attacking the problem head on to help change that culture. And, um, you know, before I get you off of here, I just want to say thank you so much for both coming on the show, but also, again, attacking this head on. And I, I think it is a net positive, maybe even an asset to our field to look at uh, good messaging and, and trying to help change a culture of preparedness. So thank you for, uh, for doing this, uh, you know, quote unquote, the right way. So. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And that's, that's, yeah. that's one last note. There's not, if, if we're, if we're using the right tools and principles, then there isn't one right way. There's no one size fits all top down approach. It's a choose your own adventure story. I love that. Okay. So, uh, Nat, before we get you off of here, I, I mentioned the preparedness guy, obviously the handle I believe is, uh, at the preparedness guy but um, if people want to connect with you is there another uh, handle or how would you like people to connect with you uh, i am most active on instagram um uh, some people um follow me on youtube i'm i have a presence on facebook i'm not as active there um or preparednessguy.com and there's a contact tab on there as well perfect we can even put that in the show notes for you too so um, okay, great. Well, uh, we're going to do what we do always. Uh, we always do is say, hey, if you like this episode, which you should have, uh, we want you to give a, a five star rating and subscribe. We really want to hear your comments, uh, especially about this episode. Nat is doing so many things to help get the field to have conversations. And it would be really great to continue the conversations. The questions that he was asking, whether you took the poll or not. Well, maybe if you took the poll, that'd be great for us to know in our uh, comment section, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Or uh, you can uh, say what you were thinking about this. Do you think people who are uh, preparedness minded are a net negative or a net positive? Tell us what you think, why you think that, and uh, we'll see you for the next episode.